0: What? Justin Bieber's a zombie
3: Oils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in From Los Angeles, California Bloody Disgusting presents The Boo Crew Podcast Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor
1: Shand And Leone D'Antonio I'm Leo I'm Lauren I'm Trevor And we are the Boo Crew Welcome to episode 180 At time of release Happy Halloween! ha! <laughs> This time around, you are joined by writer-director John McPhail, award-winning storyteller who brought us one of our faves, Anna and the Apocalypse, the first zombie Christmas musical. We get into everything you could possibly want to know about the film, about John's adventures in horror, will there be a sequel to Anna and the Apocalypse, and so much more. You're also going to hear about his new project, Special Delivery, the time of release one of 30 short films that are a part of Hulu's
4: bite-size Halloween. Episode 180 starts now. Hey, this is John McPhail, and you're listening to another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring,
0: not
1: even a mouse. Young Anna was nestled, all snug in her bed, not knowing tomorrow she'd meet the undead. How would she survive? What this season would bring? Well, that's simple. She'd stab, she'd slash and she'd sing.
3: Ah! Screen, that's all we need Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy
1: Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is a truly incredible director and screenwriter After extensive experience behind the camera on projects like the award-winning BBC TV series Waterloo Road He formed his own production company, Worrying Drake Productions Writing and directing a series of short comedy films all found great success Including V for Visa, which premiered at Robert De Niro's Tribeca Film Center in New York And the Bootleg Film Festival also earning him Best Director. That same year in 2013, his short Just Say Hi won almost all of the awards at the Virgin Media Shorts Competition, making him the first director in its history to do so. His first feature film, Where Do We Go From Here, he also wrote and directed himself, played at festivals all over the world, accumulating no less than nine awards from Best Score to Best Film, Best Editing, Best Director, the list goes on. 2017 was a monumental event in the history of horror cinema as he brought us the first ever Zombie Christmas Musical. Anna and the Apocalypse Through Expert Execution A mix of unflinching gore, iconic set pieces, a timeless soundtrack, and unforgettable pacing, the film stands as such a wonderful achievement that serves as a terrific representation of the reverence of character, an artful mastery of immersive storytelling, style, and heart that this creator has become a master of. It had its world premiere at Fantastic Fest, was listed as one of the top five must-see films in the UK, won countless awards for its original music, performances, and direction. His latest project is one of around 30 short films that are a part of Hulu's Hulu collection of bite-sized halloween it's called special delivery and it is so fantastic to see his return we are honored to welcome john mcphail
4: yeah hey guys what an introduction like honestly like like that you've you've made me blush you've brought some color to my pale pale scottish (laughs) skin
1: well john thank you so much for taking some time to spend with us today we're such massive fans of your work and much like anyone else who yeah. has experienced your entrance into the horror genre as a creator with on the Apocalypse, we were mentioning off the top, it was a, it was really a transformative cinematic moment for us to be sitting there at the arc light watching that and you guys are there doing a Q&A and we were really, after the film, just quite taken aback by everything about it and it's stuck with us ever since. As far as horror
4: goes, what were those films that had that effect on you? I think things like The Fog Films like The Fog always stand out to me And like The Wicker Man Because like those were the first films I'd like discovered that the baddies could win Like you know like it's like oh no You know like it's that bit at the end Where like as I say Like a lot of, m- my mum Like sort of loved John Carpenter movies And Stephen King movies So it, w- it was just great to be able to As I say sort of be brought up in my house like that And those were the kind of movies That sort of like helped me sort of delve into the horror genre because then that led to like you know evil dead and brain dead and you know those sort of like crazy movies brain dead's got a different name isn't it in the states yeah well, dead alive Dead Alive out here yeah dead alive yeah I like so so yeah like that was like the, the sort of like beginning of it oh night and night the living dead as well i remember being like eight and my mum sticking her head around the door and going night and the living, living dead starting on channel four like thanks mum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> through, through all your accolades and, and body of work, you've demonstrated a deep understanding of the mechanics of comedy and, and the importance of character as well. In what ways do you think that
4: those elements sing so well with the horror genre? I think that you know, for all horror, it's got to be about peril. You know, it's got to, you got to kind of fall in love with the characters to sort of uh, you know like appreciate them or sort of like. Be able to um, project you, yourself or like people who you know and understand, like onto characters. Like, yeah, I know, I like that or I remember being like that. And when you then sort of like take the time to just sort of like let the characters breathe, and then put them into like situations where it's you know it, it, it can result in them like dying. That's where I, I believe horror comes from. Um, you know, of course, you get gore and you get like jump scares and things like that but i always believe it sort of goes hand in hand Uh, and i always believe comedy and horror go hand in hand because you want to break that tension and it helps with the ability to help, help build character you know like i always believe with comedy like we if you can make an audience laugh you can make them cry and if you can make them cry you can really make them laugh and i think as well that sort of all sort of all comes from character So like with Anna and the Apocalypse That that first act I just wanted to be a zany teen comedy Like I just wanted um, like To allow the characters to just Be flawed and sort of do their thing And as I say let like the audience understand them So that when like When she wakes up that morning Like I do all like loads of little horror tropes Like the high angle when she wakes up And it's like those sort of like Creepy under the bed shot All building her getting like a, a little bit of candy it was always sort of saying my horror audience like, to, like thanks very much for like, you know, enduring the, the the comedy, like comedy horror is about to ensue, you know. Um, so, um and I, as I said, I just wanted to allow the characters to breathe at that point and it's the same I think for for a lot of films
1: sure no that makes sense tell us just a bit about how you stepped into the world of *Anna in the apocalypse and also we know that as one of your first projects you didn't actually write yourself as well and in what ways did that different perspective affect your approach
4: there was the of course the, the story of um, the, the film was first conceived by uh, ryan mchenry ryan wrote and directed um, a short film called zombie musical it was uh, nominated for a new talent BAFTA uh, here in Scotland. And it won, sorry, as well. It was de- picked up to be developed into a feature film. Unfortunately, Ryan passed away in 2015 with um, a, a rare type of um, bo- bone cancer. It only affects young people. The project was sort of like nine years in the making. You know, the, uh, everything was sort of building up to it. And the producer and, and Ryan had been best friends since we were 16. And before Ryan passed, Nathan went to Ryan and said, what do you want to do about the film? Um, and Ryan said, "Like go and make it. He's need like, to and make it now. You know, it's it's picking up steam, and we need to get get over the line. So, the responsibility of the feature then fell on to writer Alan McDonald to sort of like um, you know continue the writing side of it. And I always believe that that like the the film was kind of like supposed to be about teenagers dealing with death, and you know, like. It was all these sort of, you know, young men that sort of grown up with a, a, a friend and they just lost them, you know, through no, no fault of their own and through something as terrible as t- to cancer. I think that they were all dealing with that loss. And I think that that kind of like always sort of feeds into the film. I think there's, a, there's a, like a, as I say, that that, that sort of theme of uh, kids dealing with death was all kind of like, was real for like all these sort of young men who had never expected to, to lose a friend at such a young age. So the, the the boys and the, the producers were looking for a a, a new director and they saw my weird romantic comedy film that you can, it was a film you can take your grant to see, um, you know, uh, at a Glasgow film festival and thought that I would be the right fit for, for Anna and the Apocalypse. That's sort of how that came on board.
2: And that Ryan, there are Easter eggs with Ryan's name.
4: Yeah, so, so Ryan Gosling there's a Ryan Gosling joke because Ryan, do you remember Vines? Remember the six seconds sort of like video thing? Ryan had done the, 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 these Vines that Ryan Gosling won't eat his cereal. Oh yeah, that's right. They were, went viral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those
1: are huge. Yeah.
4: And that was Ryan McHenry, the original writer uh, director of the, the film. He, he'd made those. So like um, we make a, like a couple, I make a Ryan Gosling joke in there as well.
1: I wanted to talk about just the film being rooted in these amazing performances. And I was wondering if you could take us through a bit of the casting process and what you were looking for in particular to bring
4: this to life. So we wanted like a range of, ca- like, a, you know, you know a, sort of a, a, a collective group of, you know, different individuals and different voices. Like you, uh, like even the way that they, they, they um, how, how they sang as well. We wanted, we didn't everybody want everybody to sound the same, you know, they all had to be kind of unique so that when you were hearing them sing, you could pick them out. As well as that, there was like, I mean, first off, like Ella Hunt, she walked in and smashed it. Just walked right out of the audition room and smashed it. And we were just like, oh, she's amazing. You know, singing, performance. And I know we were just, just so bowled over by her and delighted by her. And we were like, no, nope, she's our Anna. That casting process was like um, we had like 250 casting tapes and we whittled that down to like, like about 30 or 40 and then we had like additions with them where we just had them sort of come in and uh, redo the addition and uh, to the self-tape and uh, hear them sing um, and just sort of have a wee chat in the room with them and pretty much we've, we'd got like everybody um, through that way apart from Malcolm Cumming uh, who plays John but they couldn't find him Anywhere, I was just sort of like looking for this little, you know, pocket rocket who's just like, you know, always just going off and understands about that physicality of comedy. Like we all do, we all understand the physicality as well, which I love. Like Sarah Swire's like silly little walk for Steph and, you know, those kind of things um, were key. I saw Marley Sue who plays Lisa in a play up in Dundee. And I just loved her in it. And it was like a, another one. They sort of, you know, bring her down to the auditions. And she just, you know, as I say, smashed out of the park as well. So it was, it was trying to find, as I say, individuals and sort of different voices that weren't sort of like traditional musical theater voices. That was kind of like how we, we, we brought them together.
1: What was Ella Hunt's audition piece? What did she have to do? The first thing you saw her do?
4: Oh, I can't, can't really remember. I think we've done the, it was the Snow Angel scene. That was um, was 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 the addition piece that we'd sort of we were doing. I'm trying to think what the other one was because it was that. Oh, and it was the sort of goodbye dad uh, section. I can't remember what she sat, what she sang actually, because it's that it's that long ago now. As I say, I'm sure there's a casting tape somewhere of it.
1: We also love that equal attention was spent on the practical zombie effects work and makeup. Was that? tough to do as far as like the choreography as it's usually going off in the middle of a musical number and all that stuff to be able to hit all those beats
4: now, again, I'm a horror fan and I understand that, like, you know, there's certain things that, that horror fans, you know, want and you want you want that, that practical gore. You want those kind of, like, the, the, to almost feel it and touch it that you, we can see the CGI. Like, I, I've got a, a song when I see, like, too much CGI let I'm like, CGI, CGI. You're watching a movie and you're, like, totally drawn out of it. We all, like, I always wanted to have, like, in-camera practical gore, something for the actors to react to, as well as that sort of visceralness for the for the audience. And, you know, we could just top it up and mop it up with, like, you know, a little bit of, like, you know, CGI blood or VFX blood in here and there. So, like, The Snowman, like you said, when I read the script, I was like, oh, I know exactly how I'm doing this. I'm totally putting, like, a, a, a fake head on a body, and then we're going to whip it off with a fishing line. There's going to be a blood cannon, and that's what we're going to do. That'll be it. So I, I was just so excited to do it. To, to be able to do practical effects as well or, or to be able to put them in there but um yeah uh, it was it was good fun
2: there's so many amazing practical effects like you said and like prosthetics and the costuming and everything where is all that stuff right now like did you keep anything from the production the props are made. yeah no
4: i think so like Malcolm, who plays John, all his family have got like the Christmas jumpers. They've all got different Christmas jumpers that John wears. The stuff, the stuff in the office, like Ella's jacket, where it's like covered in blood and stuff like that, and the candy cane. Like, so we've got like those kind of things in the office and we've kept a hold of some of them. Sarah Swire on our, uh, like, at our rap party gave us all little, like, Barbie doll legs. We've Like the tip X The uh, the end of it With red nail polish For like her Silly leg thing That she had So I've got like Little things like that All kicking about
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh
4: Who who came up with The candy cane spear Was that in the script? Yeah yeah It was in the script Originally so uh, Like at one stage Anna played hockey Like uh, field hockey uh, Not the the ice one That the Canadians do You guys do it as well But they always Shout about it So it was originally Like that is where It came from That that it was sort of like the candy cane was shaped like that, that it would be uh sort of as I say, it would work really well.
1: No, it's iconic, man. That's it's, it's amazing. It's one of the coolest things in the movie. That and the snowman are unbelievable. Oh, I love I love the snowman.
2: Which was at the I arc light? Like there were stuff on display. Remember? Oh, yeah, they
4: did. Yeah, they had a couple things on display. I it think it was was, was it was the
2: snowman? snowman? I think so. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they had the snowman there as well. There was a few things because we've got we've also I think they shipped all back to us because we've got like the, the snowman in the office.
0: Yeah, the songs are so great in the musical aspects of the film in particular the uh fish rap song and the christmas (laughs) performance by lisa played by marley sioux were really really funny man were these songs collaborative uh, approach between you and roddy hart and tommy riley
4: the boys would just go away they would write something they'd come back and then we'd all talk about it it was always a very like open uh, and collaborative process but like those guys are so so good like they they've they'd never scored a movie before they've never done a musical before what? they're singer-songwriters in their own right do you know what I mean like yeah not they've never done anything less before and honestly it was like like we used to love gonna i used to come in in the morning the first place i would go is i'd go to their studio because roddy always had the gossip You would always hear hear the gossip through roddy before the producers but also just because they'd be like, "Oh, we were working on this last night, or working on this," and then you know, you would just listen there. You'd be like, "Dude, that's amazing!" Or it's just it's just became on leaps and bounds since yesterday, and yeah, and and they're just they're so so talented. They've, they've been working on Animaniacs recently, so the new Animaniacs is coming out. They've been working on it, which we're all just so so super excited for them for. Oh, that's
1: so wow, cool! That's
4: yeah. so it's amazing! Awesome. Wow.
2: So, one of the most epic scenes is the cafeteria scene where there's so much and the Hollywood ending song is playing. Was that scene something? Did it turn out the way you imagined it to turn out? And how hard was that to film? Because there is so much going on.
4: So, it turned out much better than I could have ever hoped for, like, ever hoped for. First off, Sarah Swire's choreography is amazing. And again, I've got like an amazing director of photography and Sarah Dean, and we talked about this whole sequence and how we were going to shoot it. And it was the other thing about it that I, that this is sort I don't think he gets enough credit as well as as, as our, our our backing dancers. Like, see, the, like the those um, those dancers when they came in, like they made our life so much easier because they were so good. Like, and it's wee things like. When when they pick up a tray or they move something from becoming off a table to be for somebody to get up and dance on, like you know when they're doing all these wee things, they took like the the prop as part of the routine. So none of my standbys, like none of my standby props guys, had to do anything. They were like just sitting there, like this is brilliant. They just they just reset the, the scene <laughs> yeah. for us and just like on oh, it, wow. and it's it's so good. And as a team, like I think we'd been we'd only been shooting. I like, think this was like our second day shooting. Was for Hollywood ending, and everybody was just on their game. You know what I mean? It was it was just so good, and it, it went so so smoothly. I thought it was going to be the hardest one, but no, it was uh, it was it was so easy. <laughs> the Boo Crew will be right.
3: All residents are advised to remain in their homes, keeping their doors and windows securely fastened. Police still offer no explanation for the series of five deaths which occurred early today. You are cordially invited on an excursion into fear. One step beyond terror with It's Alive. It's Alive. To science, a baffling enigma. To the police, a total mystery. To the innocent, certain death. It's not an animal. It kills like an animal. And when we find it, it'll have to be destroyed like one. It's alive. And remember, it's deadly. It's alive from Warner Brothers. In color. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested.
2: Did all the actors stick to their script or did they improvise at all? Paul
4: K was like the one for the improvs the most. Like, Paul, Paul K, like, do a few things. Like, things like, oh, what, what is it? He calls him a pleb, a pig face pleb or something like that. Like, uh, when he walks over, he go like, group hug and like hug them. Like, that's Paul. Like, that's all Paul K. Like, uh, those wee bits of madness in there. The same way like like with the, with the choreography, him and Sarah done it together so that you know, as I said, they could sort of, you know, improv and throw a wee couple of things in here and there. But for the most, everybody kinda like was, you know, no say stuck to script. I always sort of say to my actors, like when when we're just before we start blocking for the for for that scene. If there's anything that bothers them, if there's any sort of words that they're tripping up on that they feel like they wouldn't say, we'll just change it there and then. But the other thing I like I personally like to do is when I get to like my third or fourth take and i'm happy like i've got my, my first and second i'm delighted and i'm happy to move on it's if i've got the time as i say my, my cast like do what you want like just just do whatever you want and sometimes you get like utter gold sometimes you got utter crap but you know like it's it's it, it, there is as i say that collaborative process the whole way throughout it and you know what's and things like that Sarah wires like um boom saved your life like we came up with that like two, two, two minutes before we went in you know really it's a uh, great line too I know. I love it it's just per- and it's perfect for Steph as well yeah. so it's like it's, those wee things as I say they're just kind of like they happen on the day or they happen throughout it um, and there's loads of little things like that that happened
1: that's so funny how those little things can become such a big part of the identity of the film you know I know, totally, <laughs> so, totally. so cool. another moment that is similar to Hollywood ending would be like turn my life around right the first musical sequence where we really see the carnage in the of the apocalypse really happening and it really defines what the the movie really is about right totally. the polarity of all this craziness happening around the pleasantry of dancing around singing a musical and there's burning houses in the background or whatever was that one long
4: take yeah, there's those two of them. Those two cameras running, but we do call it. We we we, we did cut in and out throughout. It. It's not like it was all done in one. But well, it was so it was done in sections. You know, as we would go, but we tried to do it as much, all as much as possible because we didn't have much time. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, it was a. I think we had the the morning to shoot all, like shoot that whole first section, you know, and in, in, in the afternoon, and then we had to move on because. We were shooting in Scotland in in February, and the light level, like the the level of light from the time when it when it gets bright to when it gets dark, is like so. Like I think it gets dark about six o'clock, and it doesn't get bright till about eight o'clock. So you've only got like a small amount of window to to do things. So um, so sections of course had to be sort of be done in like in in, in ways like that. No, it was it was a lot of fun. And to be fair, like the street that we filmed on, like all the decorations, not all of them, but most of the decorations are the people that live there. We just went around and chapped door, saying we're filming this mad zombie sequence. Can we put some stuff on your house and can we have a couple of people walking out of your door? And they're like, ah, of course, do what you want. And they put up all their Christmas decorations and moved all their cars. And that ah, was brilliant. That it is like, so, so good. Oh, cool. That's wow.
1: Awesome. <laughs> what an ambitious nightmare to rein all the elements in of, you know, dealing with practical effects of a zombie film and the timing of comedy and all those nuances and then smashing it together with with a musical. What I'm curious, what is probably that you can remember one of the biggest challenges that you faced on set and a creative way that you overcame it?
4: I mean, I think that there's that, always the same problem. Everything is it's time and money. You know, those times where you're like, you know, you would love to shoot something in a, 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 a different way and stay sort of like, no say, compromise. But you know, it's you've got these dreams or these visions of things. But I mean, a lot of it as well was just, particularly the first week, is always confidence. I think as well, like you know, it's, it's like I can do this. This is like this is you know, like you know, does that sort of imposter syndrome. That everybody's going to turn around and go, "Hey, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Somebody called phone security. Like, so there's like like that that aspect to it. I mean, I was I was so lucky because my cast were just incredible. Like, I, like, I, like I'm sure you hear that from a lot of filmmakers, but they genuinely were like they were an absolute joy to be around and. There'd be days where it'd be like, you know, I'm knackered and, um, you know, we're running over and the rain's coming in and it's like, it's, you know, it's coming in sideways and, you know, we're setting up to rehearse and you know that the rain's not going to stop for another half an hour and, you know, it's going to put you behind even more. And there are my kids coming out with their cast cars, with their jackets on and their hot water bottles and their biscuits flying out of their pockets, carrying on. And I used to just get filled with so much joy just seeing them and just seeing them, like, um, their their energy that was just – it would always just sort of, like, raise me up and be like, all right, all right, here we go, this is going to be fun, come on. And as well, my crew, like, I worked with a lot of these folk. like, as a camera assistant for years. It was an absolute dream. I worked with a lot of them. Like, um, you know, you touched on the costume and the makeup. Fiona Morrison, who I've known since she was a, a, like a costume assistant, it was just brilliant. And Maxine Dallas is just amazing. Maxine done the, the makeup on uh, Special Delivery. So that was good. It was good. Uh, uh, Tommy and Roddy done the music, the, the little sort of, like, John Carpenter sort of like. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. All part of the the same world That's great Leo, you had another question About the filming
0: Yeah, what was it like Filming in the public spaces Filming in uh, Glasgow And Livingston Were the local governments Or communities Behind the filming of the movie? Oh,
4: totally 100% Like the um, As I said The community was brilliant When we were shooting Turning my life around But everywhere we filmed People were just like you know, you just kind of did my, We were like, all right, aye, and you go like, it's not like every day that you, you see kind of like a, like zombies, like a zombie film running about. And, um, I remember we were doing the pickups. So there was like, you know, you always have to like pick th- your certain things. And, and one of the pickups was, um, it's like the tire on fire. Like yeah. I'd, I'd always wanted this shot where like a tire on fire going, going, going by. It's like almost like a, a, like a little lane so i put this like body down and i've like poured out all this blood it's me and my my dop and I, one camera assistant right and we're sort of setting this up and uh, this show up and i got like a, a man and his two children as he's holding their hands like walk around he walk into this sort of like little lane and they go he goes oh hi, yeah. and i'm like oh I'm i'm really sorry i'm just filming this little thing i hope you don't mind and he's like no, carry on, and I was just like, Oh, just you know, just step over the body and the blood, and him and his little girls, like step over, and he walked into the back. And as as he was walking in, the wee girl went, "Daddy, what was that man doing?" Oh, and she just turned and went. I, he turned and went, "I don't really know him. Just just go in, right?" <laughs> 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 um, so like like the you know people were brilliant ways and they never really bothered us, and you know, and, and when they were supportive, they were so supportive that's fantastic
2: so i always wonder this the movie is so funny did you have to do like a lot of takes because people were laughing because i couldn't be on that set i would have just died laughing even after reading the script and practicing like being there for the first time i would have just cracked up
4: i know there was a few times where there with 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 um corpse like there was a few where was it the uh particularly the Mary Shag kill you know underneath that 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 was like that was a a lot of hilarity that day, <laughs> just because of all the actions of it as well. You know, like the, the the fact that there's someone on her face, and the you know, it's like it's all of that and sort of built into it that they just kind of you can kind of
1: see it on Ella's face a little yeah. bit in that scene. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. There's there's there's, an,
4: there's other ones as well where they're like with the with the snowman with John, like Ella, like like there was a few times where she just corpse and she just couldn't help herself laughing at him. They were, as I say, they were such a, they were such a funny group that you just couldn't help but laugh with them. But, like, on that, like, when the chips were down and when when I needed them to, like, hit their marks, deliver level their lines and, and, you know, get it in the can, there was that professionalism that professionalism in them. The When we had to do, like, Human Voice, like, because it's the midpoint of the film and it's, like, where, like, I have to sort of really inject a bit of drama that, so that, they, that I always feel like so that the last act can pay off. Uh, so I needed them to sort of, like, you know, just you know, he take it down and uh, to really kind of like reflect and, you know, they totally did. They like, they sort of like that, like 20 minutes before they, we, we were heading on a set, they were aware of their own corners sort of like, you know, sitting, just getting into their own wee zone and things like that, you know? So they knew when to uh, to work at it and when to uh, sort of like carry on.
0: Yeah. I read somewhere that the movie has three cuts with varying uh, runtime. Will these cuts yeah. or a definitive uh, John McPhail uh, director's cut be available in, in the near future?
4: There's a, there's a brilliant region-free Blu-ray from Second Sight. Like, I'm sure they'll love me promoting this, but I really, really, it's my favourite version of the film. It's got, like, it's got the three cuts on it. So there's the, the there's the sort of, like, the US cut, which is, like, 90 minutes. And then there's, like, the festival cut that originally went out to, like, Fantastic Fest. And then there's a sort of, like, European, sort of, um, theatrical. So, a wee funny thing about it all was when we were doing the theatrical releases, all three of them were playing around the world at the same time. It was just really bizarre because Australia had to play the theatrical, the sort of the festival cut because they couldn't get the the sort of like the UK, U, the rest of the world sort of like, U, like European cut. It was, it's a little bit longer than the US one because of like rating time. Since it takes so long to rate something over there, that they had to play that one. Of course, in the US, they were playing the ninety-minute version, and then everywhere else was playing the. It's like I think it's, 90, 90, it's 96 minutes. So, you know, it's not. So it's not much in the, in the way of it. So there's a there is and there is a little bit of difference between them all as well.
0: What was the uh, decision in the uh, editing process to take out some of these scenes?
4: So. First of all, like we knew that we were going to have to get it down because like cinemas are not going to play like a indie film for that's going to be more than ninety minutes. So you kind of get dictated to by cinemas like of what the length of your film's got to be. So like that's why we've got the, the ninety minute cut. And to be fair, when me and Nathan, I we were in sitches and we were watching the film and we, we both of went, I think we could take a wee bit out of this. I think that there's a there's a place for tightening stuff up. So it kind of gave us that opportunity to jump back into it. And it was things as well, like the, the score at the end was a bit too somber. The, uh, there was an opening animation in, at the start, which we then put at the end, which is so you could get into the story quicker. You know, it was little things like that that kind of I feel have really paid off for um, having that ability to have like sort of a year in advance before you do a theatrical release from that, where we could actually look at it and go, let's see where we can tighten this up ourselves. And we believe that we can tighten it up so it was, as I say, it was, it was cool. And it was such a, like, a, not to say a bizarre process, but I never thought, like, I would be doing that. Like, we never thought we would be doing it at all. So it was, as I say, sort of cool to go through. So yeah, you,
1: you well. surely can't leave us hanging. You must return to the world of Anna and the Apocalypse. Yes, is, yes. Is, is there going to be a return or possibly a different yeah. adventure with the same <laughs> cast?
4: Or what, what do you got in the works? Of, what can you tell us? We would love to get everybody back together for something. Like, we really would. Me and Nason uh, and Roddy and Tommy have got something in the works at the moment, like a, um, a, a TV series that we've been sort of working on, which we're, we're really, really excited about. But that's as much as I can really share about that. Me and Nason, uh, who was the, Nathan was the, the producer uh, on Animal Apocalypse*, um, or the lead producer, sorry. And uh, me and him have got a, a comedy that we're taking out around town in LA and um, we're trying to attach cast just now. I sold a film to Amazon Studios with uh, Free Association and, and Scooter Braun. It's like a Lady Macbeth, like inspired YA musical jukebox musical, it's oh, being wow. written by Sarah Jane Inwards, um, who's just absolutely incredible. So, I've um, been working on that with her for like a um the last sort of like year or so, and now she's away drafting. So, that's another thing that I'm pretty stoked about. Oh, wow, that's awesome! In, that's awesome. In
2: your mind, do you know where another Anna movie would go?
4: Well, as I said, like I think we always kind of went. I know like th- that that world and that sort of like stories been kind of done again like to do something else like something really mad as I say with a cast and that sort of same sort of vein that's that's um, that's madcap a little bit cookie genre bending, and, and that's got a lot of heart like that's you know something that we're like no let's 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 do that again I'm sure we will I'm sure we will
1: finally talk a bit about how you got involved in the bite-sized Halloween project for Hulu and special delivery
4: so Jack Tarlin, um, the producer, he got in touch with me. He did God's Own Country and uh, I Wait For Other Instructions. So I've been wanting to work with Jack for ages and he's been wanting to work with me and we've had a be couple of things sort of sort of bubbling away and he'd sort of just got in touch with me. It's like, he fancied doing these bite-sized horror thing, and I was like, ah, why not? I'm, I'm not doing anything and, can kind I of really get out the house, so like let's let's try it. So he'd um, sent me like over like eight scripts, and like a, a, I sort of picked three. I picked, I picked two from there, and um, uh, a friend of mine we wrote a, a little musical horror thing, which you would never be able to shoot during COVID, like um, which which is a shame. But yeah, so pitched for we special delivery, and, and as I say, those two. And when they come back, they sort of say like, you know, you know, we would love to do that. We, special delivery. We were like, yes, here we go. Got to get out of the house. <laughs> 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 nice. nice. How long did it take to shoot it? Uh, one day. We shot it uh, through one, one night. Just in one night. It was, uh, it was good fun. It was difficult with the unit moves and stuff. But yeah, no, as I said, it was, it was, just, it was just nice to get out and shoot something again. The creature design. Bespoke? Was it made custom for the, for the feature? So Dan Martin done the creature effects. Dan uh, who also worked on Color Out of Space so I know Dan's amazing like I, I only got to speak to Dan a couple of times but like the first conversation I had with him was amazing because you know I found out he'd done those monster effects and like loads of other ones it was just because I love practicals like and I just love the ability the fact that we, we were getting to make it so we talked for ages about sort of like ideas and what it would look like and we wanted it to look like a Dumbo octopus. They don't have the sort of like tentacles. So we wanted to add them on there and it to be a, like the, 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 the egg from Alien, like uh, for, for the head and sort of crossed way Blinky from The Simpsons. So that it had that kind of cutesy kind of vibe with the sort of the eyes going. So that was the sort of like the, the, the ideas um, sort of going around. And there's two different monsters. There's the, there's the sort of cutesy one with the head closed and then there's the, the other one and it's like he's got like these wee puppeteer strings underneath it so that like when you pull them down it all closes up so that uh, when you're releasing it it can sort of pop up and then there's this wee thing at the bottom and uh, it was great I loved it oh that's I so it. cool that's this, awesome. where did it go do you have it did he have it the producer Jack's got one, and uh, the writer Luis has got one. I kind of felt like it was it was only fair that Luis got one as well. You know, it was um, you know he's he wrote it, and um, I think it was his first sort of like commission because I think he's still a student, uh, Luis. He's still uh, he's still writing, so I just, I just thought oh, that'll be nice for him to have. these sort of takeaway and Plus, my girlfriend would be like, "Stop bringing stuff in." <laughs> <my house." laughs> exactly, right? yeah, yeah.
1: What do you think it is about presenting a narrative in such a short time that makes it so
4: impactful? I, I think that there's the same sort of way the it's like an art form in itself because it is trying to like you are trying to compact everything into like such a such a small scale. I think it's something that it's is particularly great for. I think every filmmaker is always still learning. I don't think that they even you know, the greats would ever say that they've stopped learning and I think that shorts are just get a great ability to, uh, to just really go out and sort of tell that narrative and try and boil what it's all down to and remember what, like, the sort of, like, um, what it is you're trying to sort of tell and sort of, like, cut the fat out. But I, I love doing them. Like, I, like, I love making just say hi because because of how short it is and the sort of ability that it's just sort of, like, Especially today's generation, where everything is so quick, and you know, like everybody wants and inf- wants things, and they want to be able to digest it as quickly as possible, we move on to the next thing. I think that shorts are quite important to do that, and it's as I say, it's sort of hard to hold people's attentions for such a short period of time. Because I think when you go and watch a movie, you're committing yourself. You're like, right, I'm going to, i committing the time. We're short. It's kind of like you're, you've always got people on edge if they're going to continue watching. I'll just turn it off. Oh, interesting way of looking yeah. at it. Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much. It really has been an honor speaking yeah. with you. We're such huge fans of your work, including Anne in the Apocalypse. It's
2: like in my top five movies. Like, I watch it all the time. I listen to the soundtrack in the car.
1: Yeah, the soundtrack's timeless, and, man. The music on that thing yeah. is unbelievable. Thanks, guys. No, thank you so much.
2: We did yeah, this no, convention uh, like a few years ago. Like, oh, yeah. And,
1: we, did, we did like a horror convention. And this little
2: girl, I don't know if you ever saw her, but she was like, eight years old and she dressed up like Anna and her dad I think was like a zombie or maybe the snowman. I think it was
4: a zombie yeah but yeah. she had the spear and everything they made it was so adorable. It was so cute. So we've got like a WhatsApp group. So like every now and then when we, we see things like this, we, we always sort of like, you know, download it and send it and sort of send it to each other. And like usually someone will like sort of like tweet back if they haven't seen it and, you know, tweet it around and things, which is, you know, like as I said, it's a, they're a really, really good group. And like everybody that sort of like... In, this gets in, tu- in touch on twitter and stuff like that about anna and the apocalypse is, is just so nice and they're just so sweet we like to call them An- the animaniacs nice. uh, so and so i know they're, they're, they're absolutely brilliant and we've got like such a, a a lovely group of people and lovely group of fans sort of that always sort of like champions and supporters and we are dead We're like so so lucky and um, you have them and i know and i i just want to say you guys as well like the Thank you so, so much for having me. Like I said at the top of this, like Blood Disgusting is like my favorite. Like like I've, I've been coming to you guys for years. Right, so I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy to be here and, and so delighted you want me to talk to me.
1: Oh, John, man. Thank awesome, you. Man. Thank, thank you, man. John. That was the Boot Crew Podcast episode 180. Special thanks to our guest, John McPhail. Follow him on Instagram at worrying underscore Drake and worrying Drake on Twitter. And hey, if you haven't seen Anne in the Apocalypse, definitely check it out. And if you have seen it... Watch it again. It's awesome. Also, at time of release, his short film Special Delivery, part of Hulu's Bite Size Halloween, streaming now.
2: Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet scream.
3: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo.